I mean, like, what the heck is a bed knob? I mean, uh, you know, I, I know what a doorknob is. It's a, it's a little handle thing that you turn to go into a door. But a bed knob, I understand, like, a bed is like the door into the world of sleep, the world of dreams. But you don't really need a knob to go into that, do you? Is that, is that what it is? Like, the door in, in, into slumberland, perhaps? The bed knob? I don't know. I, I mean, I think I understand what a bed knob is to a degree. I, I mean, normally these days people don't have bed knobs. Right? The main purpose of bed is a flat surface to sleep on that's comfortable. You know? Remember futons? What, what, whatever happened to futons? <laughs> that was a whole thing, too. It was like this sleeping mat. I used to have a futon. I haven't, I have to say, I have not heard a single thing about futons, I think, in about 10 years. What did the futon craze, like, die out? I mean, it was amazing. Because I remember, remember back in uh, 2008, was that a long time ago now? I guess so. It's 2024 now. Remember the day before the Andy Kaufman press conference, we went to New Brunswick, New Jersey, to the house I grew up in on Hamilton Street. And uh, what had been this, in my mind, iconic sheet metal shop called Cohut, Cohut Sheet Metal. It's one of my earliest memories. I, I, I don't know if I'd be woken up in the morning by the sound of bending sheet metal. I don't know. What kind of metal was it though? Gold, silver, nickel, <laughs> tin? What were they what were they bending? Somehow they were taking a sheet metal and, and forming it into shapes. Like I, I would have to imagine one of their one of their big staples was ductwork, you know. They were probably creating ducts in their sheet metal shop. This this was like the this was actually a uh, late sixties, early seventies, a long time ago. Uh, coat member Kohut. No, you don't. I, I do, but you don't. Do you? Uh, but anyway, uh, we went there in 2008, and it had, and it, and it had been... Kohut uh, was now a futon shop. And, and, and I think we met the people there, these women that ran the futon shop, and I think they would... I think they would, like, make the futons themselves. It was like a, a whole process with... Uh, like, they, were, they would hand stuff. I guess you just take, like, a kind of a fabric as an exterior and I don't know if it was like cotton or something you had to like sort of jam it in there really tight it's like all day they're like jamming cotton into this this form to create futons whatever happened to, uh, that's one of those things that's the thing things that used to be so common then they sort of fade away and, and you don't and then it takes you a while to realize like whatever happened to that futons you know kind of like kind of like that great candy dynamints you know Dynamints was the big uh, competitor to Tic Tacs back in the day. And uh, I used to love Dynamints. And then at one point, they got discontinued. It was, it was from the Dentine Corporation. Did they still have Dentine gum? Dent, denta means a tooth. So it's like something you chew with your teeth. Dentine. But Dynamints uh, were great. They, and especially the, the red ones... It's like red and purple. It was like weird, like spicy fruit flavor. It's a very fascinating food product, Dynamints. And they just vanished. And then it took me years. So like, wait, wait, uh, hold on a second. What, what happened to Dynamints? I mean, come on. Right? It's, it's like you don't really, you don't really notice it. Like our, I guess futons could still be a thing, but I don't know. I think probably, if I had to guess, I didn't research this, but. I know memory foam has become much more popular, and, and you can now buy off the internet. Like, there's different companies like like Purple and 
what are the other ones? There's other companies where you, you just order a, a bed in the mail, and it comes like super compressed as memory foam, and then you, you, you take it out of the packaging. I guess it's sort of vacuum formed or vacuum sealed, and then it just sort of becomes a bed, and it's fairly cheap. That probably took the place of futons. I know because I know people thought futons were like cheaper, you know, than regular beds with the whole with the whole box spring concept. Did anyone ever figure out? It's like is the box spring like was that like a big scam? The box spring because you have the mattress, which is the soft part you lay on, and then oh, you you need a box spring underneath. It's like a box with springs in it, but was it supposed to like I don't know? I like if you were just to put. The mattress on a flat surface, it'd be okay. But then adding the box spring, are they kind of saying like as you, like the wood at the top of the box spring, if you apply pressure to it, it yields slightly? I don't know, man. This is all it's all very mysterious. Sleep is mysterious. We spend a, a third of our lives. Well, some people don't sleep that long, eight hours, but a third to a fourth of our lives in this in this like subconscious, unconscious, like comatose state. Very bizarre, but we all have to do it. It's just part of, it's part of the, uh, part of part of the setup here. <laughs> you got to sleep. Um, but yeah, I guess like normally, like the bed I have is memory foam, uh, and it's just sort of on. It's on kind of a, you know, a a, pl- a, a platform on wheels, right? But there's nothing sticking up. So I think the bed knobs. I think in the past people. I think they call it like a four-poster bed. Is that, is that like a four-post bed? So there's like a bed, but then there's like four, uh, like like these rods sticking up for some reason. Now, I know people, now I know possibly people used to, uh, they didn't have air conditioning. Can you imagine? And that, that's one of the key inventions of, our, of the society is air conditioning. Because if you live somewhere where it's hot, it's especially obnoxious to try to sleep when it's hot. Right, and uh, so so obviously you have to keep your windows open, and there must have been a you know like now we have those uh, what do they call that the uh, it's, it's it's like a fine mesh you put up so the air can come in but but like little mosquitoes and stuff can't make it through the mesh. Though I have to think a mosquito would if they if they really tried could probably squeeze through that thing, but they're not that smart I guess. So anyway. And they only live for like three days or something, right? So they don't have time to figure out, ooh, how can I get through this mesh? I might be able to suck someone's blood inside here or maybe not. And then finding their way back to the mesh, who even knows that they could do that? Mosquito, mosquito troubles. Um, no, but I've, I've seen like, uh, so if you have to open the windows because it's so hot and then mosquitoes come in. So maybe, maybe those four posts are used to sort of drape kind of a, you know, like a fabric to keep the mosquitoes out of your bed. Is that why they had posts on beds? And then I suppose, I didn't look this up, but I suppose the knob is at the top of the rods is like a kind of a circular thing. But don't you think rather than a knob, wouldn't it be better to have like sort of a, like an open kind of circle kind of thing that you can sort of tie the edges of the, the fabric for the mosquito situation as opposed to a knob, right? Because you might think if you just drape the the netting over the the knobs, if you have like cats or something in the middle of the night, they'll start playing with it and, and it'll drag drag it off. And that you need to tie it to something. It's a knob. You can't really tie. It. I guess you could tie it to a knob if you've got a piece of cord or something. Maybe that's it. Because the knob, 
the base of the knob is a good place to tie like a string or something that you could attach to the thing. I don't know. I, I, I feel like I'm missing the mark on this theory, okay? I, some of my theories are good and some of them, I wouldn't say this is a theory. This is just a guesswork, as they say, uh, of what could be the reason for bed knobs. But like in my life, I've never had a knob on my bed and it's never been something that's been particularly interesting or important to me. But then there's this movie. This is where it's all leading to. This movie from Walt Disney Productions called Bed Knobs and Broomsticks. And it was like, I, 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 I've seen it a long time ago. It's one of those movies that you don't really hear about very much anymore. I think it was sort of trying to... If I had to guess, again, I, I, more guesswork. It's trying to capitalize on the success of Mary Poppins. So instead of Julie Andrews, they got uh, Angela Lansbury to be like the magic woman, I think. And then there were these kids. I don't know if she was the nanny, but the bed became like this vehicle where they, they would fly through these cartoon realities. Uh, so maybe the bed knobs were like... She was like a witch, I guess, because of the broomstick angle. Mary Poppins was more of like a Time Lord type of character. Not really like a witch, but... I know there's a lot of... Aren't there theories online that Mary Poppins was actually a, a Time Lord from Gallifrey? And her characteristics. Anyway, um, I think maybe they used the bed knobs to like steer the craft. You know what I mean? It's like a... It was like a... Uh, it became like a vehicle. The, the bed. The knobs were like the steering wheel or something. I don't know. <laughs> then there's, a, there's this song from... Uh, remember this band Smursh? Kind of an obscure band from central New Jersey. I think they're from actually from Piscataway. I interviewed them. There's a video, I have a video interview. Perhaps the only video interview with them online. They have a song called Bed Knobs and Bruises. I forget how it goes though. Bed knobs and bruises. When you fly through cartoon realities, you may hit against various cartoon objects and get bruises as you use your bed knobs to steer the magical vehicle that Angela Lasbury made for you. I don't think that's how it went. That, that, was, what, that was one of the best moments. Remember, uh, Back like in 2009, I was, I was talking a lot, wasn't it last episode, I was talking about 2009, the weird, the weird year, where uh, I was on that WFMU, and I think as things go, it was probably a good thing that I sort of went to FMU and was on, and then they kicked me off, it was very weird, but it, at some point I would have intersected with FMU. And it was, it was one of, like, these people were such, like, hipsters. That, that was actually before the hip, hipsterism died out in 2017. Hip, the hipster thing was still in, uh, still, still going strong in 2009. And um, <laughs> these people, right? So I was, like, uh, I was in the, I guess, the equivalent of the jock lounge, the DJs. What was her name? I forget her name. Sue Braun was her name. Sue Braun. She spelled her name P-S-E-U. Kind of, I guess her name was Susan, but the word pseudo starts with Sue, so you know how people do that. They want to spell it differently to be cool. I get it. I get it. So Sue Braun was there, 
And uh, somehow we got on the topic of Smirch. I'm like, hey, <laughs> you know, uh, I uh, interviewed them when I was in film school back in the 80s. And so I believe, I, if you go on YouTube, I think, there, yes, there was a YouTube back then. If you go on the Internet, if you go on YouTube, I have the only video interview with Smirch on the Internet. What do you, th- what do you think of that, Sue? She's like, wow, Frank, that's great. That you have an interview with, with Smirsh on, on the internet? It's great. Well, 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 you know, I was in Smirsh. I was a member of the band. I'm like, ooh, yeah, that kind of trumps my uh, video interview. She was in the band for a while. Some of like, the greatest, like, hip, hipsterish moments ever. Yeah, well, I was in the band, you know. I, yeah. I should have said, well, where were you when I did this interview? I didn't, I didn't meet you there. Where, I, I met the two guys there, you know, not you. Why aren't you in my interview if you're a member of the band, for God's sake, Sue? Sue Braun. <laughs> anyway. I gotta hear Bed Knobs and Bruises. I really, I need to hear that song now. That one guy, the one guy died that was in the band. Chris, there was Chris Shepard and Mike Mangino. I think Chris Shepard passed away. <clears throat> but Mike Mangino, I think, is still alive. I mean, I, last I checked, it was probably like 10 years ago, but... I do play their music from time to time on the other side. Good stuff. Yeah, they would just sit in the basement and uh, make music. They never performed live, and they they just created like one song per per week, and that was it. And then they created these albums on cassettes. And I used to get them at Pranzatelli Records in Boundbrook, New Jersey. And uh, when we went to the cemetery, <coughs> you know, to find a, a, a plot for my parents. <coughs> um, the, the uh, cemetery guy. I'm like, you know, yeah, I mean, I we used to come to Boundbrook a lot. I used to um, go to Pranzatelli Records. He's like, well, Mr. Pranzatelli is with us here. <laughs> Mr. Pranzatelli, who opened Pranzatelli Records, is actually buried in the same cemetery. He's like, Mr. Pranzatelli is with us. I'm like, great. <laughs> the record store I went to when I was a teenager is, uh, yeah, but they, they carried uh, records from... Uh, from Smirsh. And then Smirsh also had a bit of a interactions with uh, Bird of Prey Records, which was out of Trenton, New Jersey. And I loved everything they produced, and they've fallen into obscurity other than the fact that the band Ween, W-E-E-N, that I um, never really got into Ween, even though I know that Fish does a, uh, a cover of one of their songs called Roses Are Free. But anyway... Um, Ween was an enor- they were enormous fans of Birdo Prey Records and apparently obsessed on them and that's how they sort of they sort of begged them to release some of their music onto Birdo Prey Records and I don't know that stuff really should be preserved I mean I still have some of the cassettes I play a couple songs here and there from there like uh, what did I play recently Mut- Mutant Dance Craze or something it starts off with that scene from Batman you know the 66 series And it's Robin, Burt Ward, saying, Gee whiz, Aunt Harriet. What's so important about Chopin, anyway? And then uh, Bruce Wayne, Adam West, says, All music is important, Dick. It's the universal language. It's the best chance we have to achieve peace and love in our time. Or something like that. And then it starts Mutant Dance Craze by a band called Partners in Wonder. But apparently it was the same crew of guys. It was like a few guys that that did all the bands. It was an amazing thing. Sounds like it should be a documentary. The Birdo Prey Records documentary? I don't know, but... Ween went on to uh, great success. And they, they continue to keep the Birdo Prey... P-R-A-Y, actually, weird, weirdly. Not E-Y. 
the bird of prey thing alive. But anyway, the reason I mentioned bed knobs and broomsticks, which I do need to rewatch that now. I mean, I, I think I have the whole thing wrong. What? Because it just seems weird. Like it's a movie, but is it? I think it's still available. I, I mean, I haven't checked on Disney Plus. I don't think it's. It doesn't contain any material that would be deemed objectionable. But who knows? All those movies back then had. They had one character that was like an Indian or something that kind of like ruins the whole thing in today's world. You know. Some something insensitive in there. Uh, sometimes they can just slap a warning on there, or other times when it's just a complete utter shit show, like Song of the South. They just they they they, they just set it aside. Yeah, let's just pretend this movie was never made. You know. They even shut down that ride based on Song of the South, the um, <clears throat> uh, Splash Mountain. They uh, they they completely changed it. So it no longer has anything to do with Song of the South. Br'er Rabbit, you know, Br'er Fox, Br'er Bear, those characters, they're, they're kaput. They're done. It's all uh, prince- the, the Fraga and the Princess. What is that movie? The Frog Princess? The Frog Prince? Or princess and the Frog. Yeah. Not a very good movie, honestly. <clears throat> but uh, I think I saw it once. I, when it, I feel like it came out probably like in 2005 or something. I don't know. Anyway, I don't think I, I'm. Ho- I imagine bed knobs and broomsticks is because uh, it's about like, like witches and witchcraft are, are fair game. That's not any. That hasn't become. That's not on the list of stuff to avoid these days, right? It could get on the list at some point, but it's not on the list yet. Um, I know people more on one side of the uh, philosophical debate would say witchcraft is satanic, and I'm sure devout Christian parents wouldn't let their kids uh, watch Bedknobs and Broomsticks because it's about witches. But no more than Harry Potter. Well, that is about witches and, and wizards and stuff. Anyway, the bus is coming. Yes, I'm going to New York City. I'm going to work. I, I had a point talking about Bedknobs and Broomsticks. I was going to talk about entertainment centers, but anyway. All right, we're here. The Port Authority bus terminal in Midtown Manhattan. very quick ride in. Um, I was going to research bed, bed knobs and broomsticks uh, uh, you know, on the phone, but I couldn't because my phone couldn't get a signal. It was, complete, um, it was completely cut off from the internet. <laughs> Do you hear what that, that guy just said? Outrageous. It is outrageous. I was just watching Mighty Boosh, Tony, uh, Tony Harrison. This is an outrage. internet, oh damn my it. Gosh, that was tough. It's very tough not to have the internet. Um, I, I, I tried a few things. I tried rebooting the phone. Listen, I don't know. Is it? I'm assuming it's my phone. It could be a network issue. I, I, I don't know yet. I haven't been able to get on online. Um, but it just it just feels like uh, par for the course lately. Uh, it's been a very weird time with technical glitches and issues. I didn't check if it's Mercury retrograde. It, I mean, but it de- that's definitely the kind of thing that you'd expect to happen in Mercury retrograde. But um, you know, a week or two ago, I had that whole issue with my website that I somewhat resolved, and then almost immediately after that was resolved, I had an issue with the uh, the text files. You know, like you know, I'm, I I made my book at the end of December. It's only February now, just a few months ago. And the program is like completely 
like crashing every time I use it. I can't do anything with it. And I found out it has no export function. You know, like I spent so much time formatting all the text in the book, and I'm thinking I can export it to the docx format or RTF format uh, to bring it into other programs. But no, it doesn't support that. So it's almost like the text is stuck. The best I could do is export as PDF and then convert the PDF into RTF. I finally, thankfully, I finally got it in, in, into uh, a form that's pretty much back in, in Li- LibreOffice. I think that's how you pronounce it, LibreOffice. Um, ODT format. And from there, I can, I can, it's, it's, it's easily interchangeable with any format. But anyway, I also was chatting with uh, PQ, you know, PQ in New Mexico. He hasn't really been on the channel uh, for the past, um, the past few weeks or a few months. He's dealing with his own stuff, his own issues including all sorts of technical glitches. We were just talking about that, and I, and I told him, like, this week I've been feeling this weird psychic pressure. It's hard to describe, but it's just almost like... Um, it's, you know, as I, I, I do feel like I have very slight psychic senses, maybe more than the average person, but nothing uh, very impressive. But anyway, um, I have been perceiving things in the distance psychically that seem very intense so it may be that something's going on in the psychic plane there's a lot of hubbub a lot of activity and I'm just sort of seeing it sensing it from a distance you know I, I, I would I would think it has nothing to do with me I'm just sort of a, I'm an innocent bystander I'm an innocent psychic bystander that's a good phrase let me write that down innocent psychic bystander that's a good one so I don't know what the heck's going on um, anyway, let me see if I can get on the uh, Wi-Fi here, if they have Wi-Fi here. I'm assuming they would have Wi-Fi here at the uh, Port Authority bus terminal. Free PA bus terminal Wi-Fi, yes. And then see if I can do a little troubleshooting here. Uh, I'm on Wi-Fi. Here we go. One hour ago, NBC News. AT&T, Verizon, and T-Mobile customers hit by widespread cellular outages in U.S. So it's, yeah. It's not just so it's not my phone. Oh, I'm so happy it's not my phone. It wasn't me. It's not my phone. It's the network. Yay, my phone is fine. Wow. Wow, yeah, man. This is really that's wild, man. Widespread outages. Okay. Damn. CNN. AT&T customers report a massive outage disrupting phone service across America. Okay. That explains it. You know, there was a time when I would commute into New York City without a, without a cell phone with internet access because nothing did, they, they did not exist, right? I started commuting into New York City in 1990. That's a long time ago. They didn't have, we didn't have such things. Though I had a Palm Pilot eventually. I liked that thing a lot. Um, yeah, AT&T's network went down for many of its customers. What do you mean went down? It's still down. You should still be able to send text. What? More than 74,000 AT&T customers reported outages. Anyway, all right, so now, now I know. I don't have to worry about it. They're gonna, I'm sure they'll, they'll sort it out eventually. The whole network is down. That's crazy. But par for the course, as I said, for these times, weird, weird stuff going on. I, I don't know what it is. I mean, I've, I've tried as best I could to kind of figure out what's going on in, in my muddled psychic spaces and uh, yeah 
I, I as I as I said, I feel like the only thing I, I I really got was that it's nothing to do with me, you know. As I said, I'm just the bicep. Oh, look, ab abs absinthe. Some absinthe here. Why are the lights flashing in the in the liquor cases here? There's a closed liquor store. I'm looking at here. Oh, look, zub zub zubroka bison grass. What? It's a very dreamlike vodka. Zub Zubrovka, or let, let me guess, it's pronounced Zubrovka. Bison grass. The original flavored vodka. The bison grass from the heart of the Biedviza forest, inspired by Zubrovka, the unique vodka with a soft, smooth, and aromatic character. I guess this is uh, Polish vodka. I still have that vodka at home and that little oil drum called Neft. I have to try that soon. Gotta try that vodka. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So bed knobs and broomsticks, 1971. I got that much information, but I didn't get any further. It said it took, takes place during the Battle of Britain. I have to get some more information about it. Yeah, so the reason I was thinking of bed knobs and broomsticks is because I was thinking of the Fiesta Fun Center. Uh, and I was doing some research on it. I think something actually came up in my feed related to the Fiesta Fun Center. This was an arcade and entertainment center in Walt Disney World near Orlando, Florida. At the Contemporary Resort Hotel. And we went, used to go down there. And the earliest times we went down, we went down a few times in the 1970s. Talking about Disney, here are three Minnie Mouse, three Minnie Mouses getting their costumes in order. Three very different Minnie Mouse costumes. You know, they're going to go into Times Square and try to shake down the tourists for a few bucks to take pictures with Minnie Mouse. Somehow these people never got sued by Disney for the infringement of the copyrights. <laughs> well, you probably sue two of them and five more come around and it's just like an impossible to, to sue them. I don't know. I don't know if they ever tried to sue them. I think it goes against the brand of Disney. They even have a store in Times Square Disney. Do they still have that store? I think they do. These shitty Minnie Mouse costumes are like ruining the brand image of, of Disney. Well, if, as if they're not doing it themselves uh, more than anyone could. I think they've been ruining their brand image for a while now. But anyway, that's a whole other issue. Uh, yeah, so the Fiesta Fun Center. This was the ultimate like arcade and entertainment center. At the Contemporary, which was the is that cool big gray hotel, the A-frame. <laughs> they call it an A-frame hotel, kind of like the, when I was quoting from that uh, song, Kid Charlemagne. Every A-frame had your number on the door, right? I did some more research on that song as well. That song is actually uh, based on Owsley Stanley, the guy who was uh, the sound guy for the Grateful Dead, but he also was uh, producing LSD. Starting off when it was legal, so he w he had a, like a laboratory and he was creating LSD to sell to people, and apparently he was like using some of the profits to help uh, get the grateful you know support the Grateful Dead. Eventually got arrested because they made it illegal, and I read that he may be a descendant of King Charlemagne, a historical personage. Maybe his like great 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 grandfather or something. 
apparently his father was the governor of Kentucky. Yeah, all these connections, that, that weird 1960s California hippie scene and all of, they're all sort of related to the power structures of powerful people, people in the intelligence community, that whole theory. That all that was concocted by the, the military-industrial complex. Could be. We don't know. Anyway, this Fiesta Fun Center, when I was a kid, it was the greatest place ever. It was an arcade. They had video games, pinball machines, etc. They also had a shooting gallery. You know those shooting galleries? They, you might sometimes see it like a seashore, some kind of amusement area. So it's like a, a bar with these guns. It's like they're like light guns or rifles, and you put like a quarter in, and you can shoot. There's a there's a scene, usually like like an old west saloon, and there's little targets, and if you shoot them with your light gun, it it, it causes like the piano player. If you shoot the piano player, it starts playing the piano, etc. They had one of those shooting galleries there. It was really cool. They had like pool tables, all sorts of stuff. The last time I was there was in the 90s, actually. I remember uh, the place was still open, but it, it was just called, I think, the Food and Fun Center. They took the Fiesta away. And uh, I remember playing a Rush song from Roll the Bones. Maybe it was the song Roll the Bones on the, on the jukebox there in uh, the Fiesta, Food and Fun Center, as it was renamed. It was that song where they rapping, Jack, relax, or I'll hit you in the gluteus max. One of the more cringy moments in Rush history, but anyway. Uh, when it was when it was there, I, I have such great memories. I remember especially, because I, I would go there, it was probably over the course of like the 70s and the 80s, we would stay there a lot at the Contemporary, and um, I clearly remember playing that game Mappy, you know, the little... Uh, the little mouse who's a member of the micro police fighting fighting the cats, the naughty folk, and their boss Goro. Somehow, like I guess it was in a, I guess they were hiding out in a house and they had all this stolen, all these stolen goods like TV sets and stuff and safes, and you had to go retrieve them by bouncing on these trampolines. That's a good game, Mappy. Its various uh, sequels were did not fare so well such as Hopping Mappy. Yeah, that was not good. They should have just done a sequel in the same house with the same mechanics. They never did, though. No, they did, actually. Sorry. Uh, and, and the Namco Classics, they did uh, the map, Mappy arrangement, which was a modernized version of the original game. That was kind of okay. I actually had that in an arcade cabinet once as I was so obsessed with Mappy, probably because of the Fiesta Fun Center experience. But the greatest video game I ever played at the Fiesta Fun Center was... The ultra-obscure Star Rider. Right, Star Rider. It was from Williams, I believe. And in fact, I found a good article about it recently in one of those magazines on the Internet Archive. It was a Laserdisc game. Uh, you know, kind of like Dragon's Lair. But this one, you're just riding a, 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 like a motorcycle through these like psychedelic worlds in space. And... They use like a they generated them as computer graphics on the laser disc, and the game is I, I would think very rare. And I, I played it the hell out of it because I loved it so much. I don't think it's even emulated. I don't know what the how the hell you. I mean, there's videos online of, of Star Rider, but I just remember playing Star Rider at the Fiesta Fun Center. But in the 70s, there was a little movie theater 
in the arcade. This was the coolest thing ever. So that's the whole thing. Like when you add a movie theater to an, an entertainment center like that, like an arcade, it just takes it to the next level. And uh, it it just adds this allure, this mystique, this aspect to the entertainment center that takes it over the edge to something like super cool. And that kind, that concept, that idea, I feel. I don't know, is sort of lost today in a way. Like miniature movie theaters is something I've always been kind of fascinated with. In fact, I uh, I have one episode of this show, The Overnight Escape, called uh, Cineplex Odeon Revival in Miniature. I sort of theorized about creating miniature movie theaters. Maybe that could seat like 12 people, and the movies would be like like 12 minutes long. And you could just like stop in and go see a movie and the whole thing will be done in like 20 minutes you know a miniature movie theater in all aspects physically smaller the movies are smaller right I thought that was such a cool idea but there's been a lot of these kind of places like here's Times Square for example I'm here physically right now well I, I, I'm, I'm perceiving that I'm here who knows where I really am uh, now I'm here get out of here I know I talk about weirdness a lot but we have to use what is apparent as the starting point for our point of reference, don't we? So I am in Times Square right now, yeah. In fact, right to the left here, uh, there was a uh, cinema ride briefly in the late 90s, maybe? I know I, I know I researched it. I think it was just called Cinema Ride. I never went on it, though. That's kind of related, but up there is where the Virgin Mega Store was. And uh, they didn't have an arcade, but... They had everything. Movies, books, records, of course, music, everything. And then there, there was a movie theater in the basement of, of the, uh, the place. That, so it sort of followed that same pattern of having a movie theater in this entertainment-related area. And, of course, in that same space, or perhaps what was Toys R Us, uh, they, they were going to build something called Metropolis Times Square, which would have been this interesting indoor mall that may have involved a movie theater, I'm not sure. That, that never came to fruition. Because down Broadway, uh, and, uh, in, around 34th Street, there was an, an, a mall called Herald Center that was kind of similar to what Metropolis Times Square was going to be. It was this indoor mall with like eight levels. And uh, also ANS Plaza was two blocks to the south. It's kind of fun, funny because it's sort of, that was what uh, used to be Gimbel's, right? Gimbel's department store as immortalized in a Miracle on 34th Street movie in the 30s with, with, Nat, with Natalie Wood, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah right down there. Um, and it was owned by, like, Imelda Marcos. She was, like, one of the dictators of the Philippines at one point. I think they, her and her husband, Fer, Ferdinand, is that his name? Ferdinand? Who else is named Ferdinand? I remember there was Ferdinand the Bull. It was a Disney cartoon. And Ferdinand Marcos, a di dictator. Any other good Ferdinands out there? Like Fernando. That was a good song by ABBA. Do you hear the drums, Fernando? Anyway, they found that um, the hassle of people. And what they would do is they would do this trick of um, when you went, you took the escalators up to the next level, they would then force you to walk through that level to go to the next set of escalators as opposed to having one central bank of escalators to, I guess, to increase foot traffic traffic 
uh, for all the stores. But then, as you kept, it took so long to get to the top level, people never came back. They were annoyed by it. So, in all those malls, like the up, like ANS Plaza is called Manhattan Mall. I believe it still exists, but they cut out all but the, the first two levels. They had a food court, ANS Plaza, at the top level. And it would take about a half hour to get up there. Because they had that escalator scheme, which was absolutely ridiculous. If you really were wanted to get up there, it would take like a half hour. And the elevators were so packed and so inefficient. It would, again, you'd be waiting for like 20 minutes, a half hour to get the, the elevator. Maybe slightly exaggerating, but it was at least 20-something minutes. <laughs> anyway. Uh, so that whole concept of a of sort of a vertical mall kind of failed because if they had just put made it easy to get up to where you wanted to go you maybe but I understand the scheme the foot traffic to increase foot traffic they actually destroyed the foot traffic uh, me. but uh, some other examples of uh, entertainment spaces with cinemas is like uh, Cinetropolis by iWorks Entertainment which I went to when they, they had it at uh, the Foxwoods Casino in, um, in Connecticut when it first opened. It was, this, uh, like, it was like a miniature cinema city inside the casino. And they had, they had all these different cinema rides and cinema experiences and a little arcade. I remember I saw Ridge Racer for the first time. That's quite a classic game from Namco, I believe. And it's funny that I... Because I just found out about another one of these entertainment spaces with a cinema that I had never heard of before. Around 1984 in London, England. A place called the, Tro- the Trocadero or Trocadero. Uh, which eventually had a Sega arcade in there and there was this like full-size car that you went into this car and then it was in front of this giant video screen and you were playing Ridge Racer. I think they call it like life-size Ridge Racer. That was always quite a good game. Of course, I'm partial to the PlayStation R4 Ridge Racer Type 4. One of my favorite. I've had so much fun with that game over the years. But anyway, um, yeah, the Trocadero. It's like one of those interior, multi-level malls. Apparently it didn't last too long, but there's videos of it. It's fascinating. And, and there's a movie theater there, too. It's a regular movie theater. Um, but I love that idea. I mean, I suppose my vision for the Ansog Radio location does it somewhat involve that. There's the idea is there's this little listening rooms with with video that people can go in to hear the various episodes here on Ansog Radio, and uh, they're almost like little miniature movie theaters. It just exists as a design right now. I have not implemented it in any way yet. I think I wrote down some more examples of entertainment centers with, uh... Yep, internet's still dead. Yikes. That is wild, man. Uh, where's my notes? Do-do-do. Uh, what the hell? Sorry, I'm, I'm having trouble here. More issues. Um... Yeah, yeah, so, uh... Showbiz Pizza Place was, was one of those places in the 80s, right, which had, uh, uh, very briefly, the same situation, because that, they're the ones that had that robotic band, 
Right. The rock, the rockifier explosion, the audio animatronic band of animal, humanoid animal characters. Right. And uh, briefly, a few locations had a show scan cinema, which was really this idea of cinema miniaturized in a way. It used a 70 millimeter film running at a high frame rate. And the movies were supposed to be like 25 minutes long. It was all Douglas Trumbull was behind it all, the special effects guy. And who, who, what was that movie? I started watching a Jodorowsky's Dune. Supposedly this new Dune movie, by the way, totally unrelated to Jodorowsky, is, uh, they're saying it's pretty good. So I may have to, I may have to look into it. But anyway, uh, they said they went to meet with Douglas Trumbull. And they said he was a complete asshole. <laughs> I can imagine that. Like they wanted him to do the special effects for Dune. I mean, he never made it. He never made it, but he did a lot of prep prep work to make his version of Dune. They said Douglas Trumbull was a total a hole. But anyway, that that, that said, uh, he created this thing called Showscan, which was a um, super intense. The movies would be like like twenty five minutes long, but it was so intense. The screen was so much bigger. The visuals were so much richer that you could have an hour and a half experience in like 20 minutes and uh, I went to there my, I went to, with my father down to Washington D.C. and there was a location in Virginia of, of the showbiz pizza place and they had Showscan and we went to see it I saw the movie New Magic which was their introductory film that movie is still unavailable I, every so often I check if someone uploaded a copy somewhere it's not available anywhere though there is a lot of ancillary information about about the movie but yeah that's another example of a, a space that has a cinema something very special about that I don't think it would I don't think it, it was important back then I don't know if it would be as important now as everyone essentially has a cinema in their pocket on their phone so it's not that fun to go to see a little movie the miniature movie theaters in your pocket for God's sake anyway yeah, Amazon Go here. Oh, come on. Amazon Go. Great. Uh, they have stopped stocking any vegan options. They used to have uh, vegan sushi and vegan hot food, like a kind of a curry thing with tofu. I see that they've stopped all of it. It's so annoying. I used to, I used to love getting vegan stuff here here at, uh, at Amazon Go. You know, the store you scan in and then you just throw it in your pocket, stick it in your pocket, you walk out, and they charge you automatically. I'm going to go check again to see. I, cause I already had breakfast at home because I'm like, I can't have breakfast here. The only thing they ha- they do have one thing, which is the uh, falafel breakfast. It's like two falafel balls, you know, baked and they're cold and some carrots and some celery some hummus it's not fun it's annoying I don't want that I, I, I want some sushi or something you know the, the avocado sushi anyway let me check it out alright heading out to lunch gonna go down gonna go down to ha 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 to meet my brother John doors opening the ha 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 in uh, Carmine Street spelled J-A J A J A. But it, Spanish should be ha ha ha. So yeah, I almost thought I, I I went into Amazon Go, 
And I'm like, oh, wait a minute. I don't have internet. I, I, I can't generate the in-store code necessary to enter. But I went to the, uh, I went on their Wi-Fi and was able to generate the code. Can you imagine? You used to just go to a store and not just walk in and pay for stuff. Now you need to get into code and Wi-Fi and internet. Yeah. But my service w- was restored uh, at about an hour or two later. And uh, yeah, the big story. It was a nationwide outage. It was weird. Like, some people had multiple phones on AT&T, and some of them worked, and some of them didn't. Very mysterious. Very disturbing. But I was able to play... Remember I downloaded that game Bejeweled Classic on my phone, which is just riddled with ads. But because I had no network connection, there were no ads. It was amazing. <laughs> I couldn't connect to the network. So anyway, uh, you know the Meanderer, who's a host here on OnSug Radio for a long time, he was pretty much one of the first, if not the first, he was actually like the first person to do a show on uh, what was then known as the Overnight Escape Underground. It's still kind of, you know, all these names, OnSug Radio, the OnSug, OnSug, or Overnight Escape Underground, it's all the same thing. Um, But yeah, the Meanderer came on, Eddie had done a show... Earlier in the year, then I think in October, uh, Meandra did a show called Brendan Rambles. And uh, so he was one of the first. And I've been kept in touch with him. I never met him in, in person, though we did meet him on the exit ramp recently. He's here in Manhattan right now. He's on a, he's on a trip. And uh, I'm not meeting him today, but I'm going to meet him on Saturday. I'm going to come in Saturday to, to meet up with the Meanderers. So hopefully next episode or... Should I leave? No, I, I don't know if I'm going to leave this episode open. This episode has already been going for a while, but um, yeah, next episode I think we'll uh, meet up with a meander. Hopefully, I, 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 I've wanted to meet him in person for such a long time. It's a very mysterious character, the meanderer. So, yeah, I guess got to take uh, from here. You know, it's got to take the any of the orange trains, the BDFs. The M, is the M still going? I don't know. Um, down to West 4th Street. So it's a straight shot down. Uh, so we're going to head on down to Ha Ha Ha. It's a ve- vegan Mexican. Let's see. So yeah, for the subway, you don't need tokens or cards or anything anymore. You can just use your phone or your credit card. Here's a new sign. On 42nd and, and 6th. Times Square. This is a gun-free zone. Violation of this prohibition is a felony. First first shopping malls in New Jersey declare themselves gun-free zones. And now Times Square is a gun-free zone. So, yeah. Alright, let's check it out here. Subway station. BDFM. Yeah, baby. There were some delays earlier. I was checking the website, but there shouldn't be too many delays now. Hopefully. So I think I can just, I can just tap my credit card, right? Like my Amex to get in the subway. I, I, I'm so old. I remember the whole to- the token system they used to have. Little subway tokens. It was so cheap back then. Let's see how this works. Oh, they still have the old machines. I thought, they, I thought they're getting rid of the old machines. 
this now it's known as the Omni system, O-M-N-Y, tap. See? Tap my credit card. Downtown. That's it. Smell of urine, of course, universal. Universal in the subways. Because they, you know, they used to have more bathrooms in the subways, but they don't anymore. So people just piss anywhere. They piss wherever they want. And they smell it. Is that me or the other side? Yeah, baby, the F! Oh, wow. I'm going to be early at this point. An F just came. Look at this. Yeah, West 4th used to be my stop when I when I was in college, living in uh, uh, an apartment on... Uh, it's by uh, House Tenant Thompson. Scene, but I guess what, what is this? So you have a 60% chance of dying if you take these pills. I, you know, very very disturbing times we're living in. Obviously, this is 23rd. Saying you, they just said you can get real-time elevator status on the website. I guess the subway elevators are so unreliable, there's a status website as to whether or not the elevators are working or not. See, they, they can figure that out, real-time status. They just can't fix the elevators? Is that how it works? I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, here it is. Six out of ten fentanyl lace pills can trigger a fatal overdose. It only takes one. Get the facts and free Naxalone. Free Naloxone. N-A-L-O-X-O-N-E. Nal. I thought it was Naloxone. So, they're saying, listen, these pills, 60% chance you'll be dead. So, instead of saying, yeah, don't take those pills, they're like, get the antidote. Really, really, I don't know. I guess I don't know the whole story, but like, maybe stop taking them? I know, I know, people are addicted. What the hell's going on in this world? I'm gonna, I'm like super early. I was afraid, like, it's gonna be like a big uh, delays or something. It's 
stock up without stepping out. Go Puff to new delivery service. Yeah, West Forth, look at this. Yeah. Maybe I'll exit this way because maybe we'll walk around a little bit. I always remember the exit at the north end of this subway station is kind of a different vibe. It's up by 8th Street. I got so much time, may as well do that. Of course, it's dangerous when you think you have so much time and then you. And this is place, this station is exactly the same as it was back in the 80s when I was going to college at NYU, 87 through 89. I mean, this, like, everything about this place. Maybe they updated the railings, but everything else. It's like, I mean, it, it's like a time capsule. It really is. The tiles, the metal beams, everything. It's so cool. It's like, most things are changing, but this subway station hasn't changed much. Well, obviously, they didn't have the video billboards and the video things. Of course, the glass is cracked. C goes goes further. A, uh, the E stops at uh, Old Trade, of course. C goes down to Brooklyn and stuff. Video surveillance cameras may be in use in this station. I, I usually exit from the other side. Yeah, this is a part of. I think right over here is where, like, I used to listen to the Gene Shepard shows from around 1960. And he talked about a place called the Paper Book Gallery. When, uh, I guess, paperback books were kind of a new thing. Yeah. Uh, Sixth Avenue and Waverly here, yeah. Yeah, like up there. That used to be a Barnes & Noble over there. I think the Paper Book Gallery used to be up here. I think one time he had like a, an article in a magazine. He's like, and you can buy that magazine at the Paper Book Gallery. It's like right over here. Isn't that, I thought that was 8th Street. Yeah, eighth, by 8th and 6th. It's been such a long time since I've been over here. Yeah, now the Barnes & Noble is a Spectrum. It's like an internet company. Yeah, I think the Paper Book, ga paper book Gallery is like right over here. Oh, I can't time travel, damn it. I'd love to just go there and hang out. I'd be okay the way I am now, right? I wouldn't have to, like, change my clothes or anything. Would I, would I be that poorly dressed for, like, 1960? Obviously, I can't show them my phone. This recorder? Yeah, this recorder looks like a little pocket radio. I mean, it's, they would just think I'm an idiot talking into a pocket radio, you know. Yeah, yeah, here's 8th Street. I remember in college we would come in before I went to NYU, and so in 80, uh, you know, five, six time period, we would come into New York and 8th Street, where everyone wanted to go to 8th Street because there were a lot of like head shops and stuff here. And I remember that Barnes and Noble. I remember in the basement they had the magazines and they had, it was, it was that age with all of the, um, those, 
that brief time period in the 90s when there were all those magazines on CD-ROM, like Trouble and Attitude and Nautilus and Blender. That was quite a scene. That was quite a scene back then. Absolutely. It's pretty cold out here. CD-ROM magazines, yeah. See, that's the thing, like... Ooh, what was that sound? My zipper hit this pole, but it was like a... What is that sound? It's almost like some weird echo or something, right? I like that. That's cool. Yeah, there's the other exit. It used to be a... I think it used to be a Dwayne Reed. And there's a really ancient time and temperature sign that may have been up in 1960. Why can't we time travel, damn it? Why? I'm getting tired of this. I just want to be able to step back in time and then come back without any ill effects, like coming back to an altered world or something. If we're, if this, listen, if this world is a quote-unquote computer simulation or a simulation using technology far beyond the computer, it should be easy to time travel, right? And then come back without any issues, without changing a timeline or anything. It's all in a computer, so who gives a crap? I know. We don't know that it's... A, we don't know that it's... A, it could be quote-unquote real. Could it be? I don't know. Real? I guess I guess the idea is not real, but natural. Obviously, this is real. It's something I'm experiencing. A natural world that just exists. And this all happened without any... direct, Without being directed by some mind. That's what they mean by real, I guess. This is CVS there. This is weird, man. I used to be around here all the time. It's like so different now. Even though the subway station right below us, as I'm sort of doubling back above the station, just like it ever was. Oh, there's the IFC Theater. That's a good theater. I've seen a bunch of movies there. Like Inland Empire, way back when, the David Lynch movie. I think when I went there, they had Inland Empire um, coffee. Like David Lynch made a special brand of coffee for Inland Empire. Way early here. See what movies are playing. See, this is Avenue of the Americas, and they actually have the uh, the various uh, Americas here, like British Virgin Islands, Vigilates, their their crest, Belize. I was just talking about Belize yesterday on the last episode. I remembered it being a bit different geographically, like a Mandela effect. Trinidad and Tobago, Panama. These are all the Americas on the Avenue of the Americas. I don't know that they have the Americas on all parts of the, the Avenue of the Americas. Because if you think about it, like North America, well, I don't know. Is Central America, it's not really a continent. But North America just has like Canada, United States, and Mexico. But the Central America really is kind of part of North America. There's a bunch of countries in there. Not that many, but then South America has a bunch too. And then you have all those islands that make up probably a lot of the 
quote-unquote countries. I guess they are actual countries. In theory. Yes, they are officially countries because they're recognized as countries by other countries. Does that really make it a country, though? Like, I guess so. Sort of like, I remember, I remember someone blew my mind when I was like, in college. They're like, the dictionary is meaningless. I'm like, why? Because every word is defined by other words that are also in a dictionary. So, like, it's like this circular reasoning. You look up a word, a chair, something you sit on. Oh, look up the word something. Look up the word you. Look up the word sit. Look up the word on. Like, if, if you didn't have the knowledge already, you wouldn't. it wouldn't make any sense whatsoever. It's like this circular reasoning. Wow, look, a sex shop. Fetish. Wow, those are fairly uh, rare these days, right? The sex shops. Wow, $1.50 a slice pizza? That's pretty cheap. Hmm. There's those famous uh, basketball courts over there, West 3rd and 6th. Kind of a classic landmark. Used to be that great CD store, uh, CD, oh, Discorama it was called, yeah. I used to buy a lot of CDs there. And that's where I got, um, in the cutout bin, that's where I got that Weird Paul CD. That's how we found out about Weird Paul. And apparently, Joe Gibson, who uh, comes on the exit ramp quite a bit, he's a fan of Weird Paul as well. All right, here we go. IFC Center. They're showing... What is this noise? What is this? What the hell? Someone was riding a scooter with some one of those old-style alarms that cycles through all different police sirens. Doc NYC selects Tuesday how to have sex. Monster NYAD Maestro No Way Up Society of the Snow. I have no idea. What, what, what does that even mean? I just read what was on the, the marquee there. This theater wasn't here when I was in college, by the way. There, there was no theater here. There were other theaters, like that that one that was right on, uh, what was it on? Not Bleecker, but one of those streets. I talked about, I, I went there, remember I went there that one time and they had uh, Blue Velvet was playing, it was 86, Blue Velvet and True Stories. And I, I chose to see True Stories, which, listen, you can't go wrong with either of those movies, but, you know, please. Obviously... Blue Velvet was probably better and more important movie. Let's see what else they have here at the theater. I think I still have a lot of time. Let's see. Yeah. Still got a lot of time. Um, what are these? You know, when they say post no bills, someone posted some bills here. Authentic Productions, NYC. On S the Streets T again. At the Meadows in Brooklyn, conservative military image, Castillo, the take, intimidation, what are these bands? Doug and the Slugs, Ultrasect, 45, what are these like punk bands? The High Stride, The Stress? I guess there are, there must be newer punk bands. All right, so here's the uh, Shorts TV presents the 2024 Oscar nominated short films. Hmm. Interesting. Is it interesting? Oh, look, How to Have Sex. Here's the movie poster. A charged, ecstatic, and star-making debut, Vogue. Exceptional. A visceral and sensory experience, Deadline. A stunning performance from Mia 
McKenna Bruce, Vanity Fair. Four stars, four stars, The Times. Four stars, The Guardian. Four stars, The Telegraph. Four stars, Time Out. <laughs> Great. How to have sex. The motion picture. Ah, great, great. What else do we have here? Yeah, and like, this was kind of around like where where I lived when when I was going to school, but then also I used to work down on Varick Street over here. So I would always walk down Carmine Street to get over to Varick, working on that street for like 10 years, from like 90 to 2000-ish. Over here is uh, this is Father Demo Square, right? Yeah, Father Demo Square. And I could swear there was that band, Urban Urban Dance Squad from uh, I believe they're from the Netherlands or Belgium. And they they had that big hit, No Kid. This is No Kid. Remember that? Remember that song? And then they had one other song. Um, anyway, I got their album because I, I saw their video on MTV, and then. Uh, they had a song, Say a Little Prayer for My Demo, My Demo, My Demo. So I wonder if they came here and saw Father Demo Square and they thought it was like a... He was, he was the guy to pray to, for, for, to to make sure their demo was heard by the record executives. <laughs> Say a little prayer for my demo, my demo, my demo. And then, uh, of course, the demos were a big thing back then. People would... I guess it, it was either a cassette tape or eventually a CD of your music demo that you want someone in the music industry to hear so you can try to get a record contract. And uh, there's a whole strain of that going through one of the best albums ever, uh, De La Soul's uh, De La Soul is Dead. And is there a record store down here? Didn't there used to be? Let's see. Uh, so you know that that song, Oodles and Oodles of O's, you know. You get them from my sister. You get them from my bro. So the O's are demos. Right, and then there's they, later they on the album they play a message. Someone, someone's like, "Oh, I want to send you my demo." I guess because De La Soul got fairly successful in the music industry, everyone was hassling them with their demos. You know, it's a big thing back in the day. Demos. The Nuts Factory. What is the Nuts Factory? Hmm. It's a store where you buy nuts. Remember in Willy Wonka? What line of business are you in? Nuts. And I guess in Britain, when you, when you say nuts, it's like saying F you. So the guy was very taken aback. Uh, that was uh, Mr. Salt, Veruca Salt's father, right? Yeah. What kind of business are you in, Salt? Nuts. Looks like a pretty good store. They have a lot of nuts in there. Are there any nuts I've been trying to get? What were those nuts? There were those nuts that were that they had to trade at Joe's for a little while, and then they—I forget what they were called though. They were pretty good, like these exotic nuts, and they were at Trader Joe's for a few years, a few years ago. You know what I'm saying? Lotto.com Players Cafe. What is this? Someone reminds me of the old OTBs that used to be around, and those didn't close down till somewhere in the 2000s, I think. The off-track betting. Could bet on the races. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I don't know. I thought there was a record store down here, but maybe it's not there anymore. Maybe I'm just misremembering it. I don't know. Oodles and oodles of O's, you know. You get them from a sister. You get them from a bro. Here's a sign up on the brick building. New York Fashion Week 2024 welcomes the world-renowned fashion stylist Catherine Bibeau. Great. Welcome, Catherine Bibeau. They have demos in fashion, too. They can, Father Demo can say a prayer for your fashion demo. I don't know. Is this place called Daig on Bleecker? Bleecker Street, of course. Very famous street. Ooh, a church. Oh, yeah, and that store over here, that guitar store where they... They make guitars out of wood from the demolished buildings. I, I, I must have talked about it in the show. A, year, a couple years ago, I went there with my, uh, my in-laws, uh, Carrie and Joe, and my brother and sister-in-law, because he's really into guitars, and they had heard about this store. So, like, in New York City, they're constantly uh, demolishing old buildings, and a lot of them are from the 1800s, and they have wood in the buildings that was... From the, you know, like when they came here, the people, the people came to North America, and they started chopping down all the forests and stuff. And that wood that had been growing there for thousands of years was like the best wood apparently to make guitars from. Look at this, another store, another store called Demo, with natural wine and fine food. A lot of demos going on here. Oh, here's a store called Postcard. It's a little cafe. But anyway. So I guess if you chop a tree down now, it, it's, it's, it's a younger tree, and it's not as good wood for guitars. So whenever they tear down a building, this guy, I think it's over here somewhere, this guy would, um, he would go and, like, take the wood from, like, the piles of debris and make guitars out of them and charge, like, thousands of dollars. Look at this, Heirloom Woods, Inc.? Is that? Wait, yeah, it's called Carmine Street Guitars. Yeah, and there's a documentary about it, too. In fact, uh, last time, I think I went there with some guys from work. And someone there said, oh, yeah, I saw a documentary about this on the, pl- on the airplane, so I wanted to come stop by. But look, there's this right next to them, heirloom woods. So they must sell their extra wood to other uh, l- l- luthiers, maybe? Is that how? the hell is this? There's like a little mini lake here. There's like six or eight inches of water right on the edge of the street here. That's pretty strange wood oh the old wood so people don't know when you tear down a building that wood is worth a lot how, how long before these people realize they can make a fortune selling the wood rather, rather than throw it in, in, in a trash heap you know what I'm saying like you can make a lot of money selling that wood right the barum the barum bow Brazilian kitchen Carmine Street's a lot fancier than it used to be it, it, it used to be, I mean, it, it was not a bad area, but it was, now it's gotten so fancy over here. The tap room, Sloop Brewing Tap Room. Great. Very gentrified indeed. All right, I think I'm, uh, yeah, seven more minutes till the appointed time of the meeting. There is the Varick Street over there that I was so. Uh, Sounds good. <laughs> Does it sound good? It was. It was okay for a while. 
Yeah, I started off in the printing industry, then very briefly went into the like the tail end of the dot-com era, worked for a guerrilla marketing agency that had two locations on Varick Street. In fact, they had this big move, uh, like two blocks to the south, and then they got bought by a conglomerate, and then they just shut down because it was, it was that dot-com crash. This company I worked for is called Eisner Interactive. They... Uh, They, uh, they did guerrilla marketing. So they were really good at impressing. So like back then, there would be like these companies. Remember all the dot-coms that were getting massive amounts of, uh, of investment? So there'd be like a 20-year-old a that was in charge of a $20 million. What the hell? There's a bunch of junk on the ground here that smells. Oh, my God. Uh, like a $20 million marketing budget. So these people were taking advantage of that. It, it was money that was being spent very irresponsibly, okay? Very irresponsibly indeed. And, uh... Once the dot-com crash happened, all that money dried up. All that easy money. <laughs> but they were definitely hipsters. They, they were definitely the hip, hipster types back, back then. That was in uh, 2000, 2001 era, yeah. Right over here on Carmine. Right, I better just wait for my brother. What is this? The Taboo Net? Mediterranean Kitchen. Taboo Net. Like N-E-T-T-E. Interesting. Interesting. Yo. Yeah, we had a great lunch. My brother John and I. Got the enchiladas mole, really good stuff. And a good mezcal, it was a Durango. But I guess Durango's a type of uh, agave. I don't think it was the brand name, so I'm not sure exactly what brand it was. But it was. I, I asked for the smokiest one they had. That was very smoky, very delicious. Very nice. Yeah, I'm going to go take care of his cats. Not day-to-day, -day, but... I'm going to stop by a couple times while he's on vacation to Austria. So, I finally remembered I need to try and find the new Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola Spiced. Maybe I'll try to hit that CVS up there. That may, I, uh, they might have it. The new Coca-Cola. I'm having my last cigarillo. This is my last one. I'll probably take a break after this. I'd prefer not to smoke cigars every day, though. When I have them, I usually do. But when it's colder out, it's, it's very uncomfortable sitting on the porch when it's freezing out to have a cigar. But I, like the last couple of years, I would do it. But then I'm like, listen, I'm not going to stop smoking cigars, but I don't need to smoke every day. It's a bit much. I want to get this new Coke. The Ivy Coffee and Bakery. Really? I know in some fonts the FF is a ligature, but you know, when you're spacing the letters out like that, don't use the ligature, damn it! Typography 101. I, I don't think you ever need to use those FF and FL and FFL ligatures. Don't use ligatures at all, please. Or the ST with a little curve. I'm anti-ligature, okay? It's, 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 it's just annoying. It's not for me. Okay. 
What's your view on? I know most people probably don't have a view on ligatures. They're probably neutral on ligatures, but it just annoys me. Don't be so fancy. There's Catherine Bibeau again. So what is the stylist? They pick out clothes for people to wear? I could use a stylist. I don't know what... I never know what to wear going to work. Whoa! Avanchi. Taste the wonder. Do you know there's all these slogans and phrases everywhere? Taste the wonder. Oh, they have a Dos Toros down here. <laughs> the sign looks all faded and worn, but it can't be more than a few years old. Did they, did they pre-fade it? <laughs> but it, then again, there's one of those fire escapes abo- above it with all this rusted metal, so it probably is from that. I haven't been to Dos Toros in a while. They have farro. They, they, they have farro you can put in your uh, burrito instead of uh, rice, which is always always good. Yeah, maybe I'll go up this way. Go to the CVS, get some Coke if they have it. Could for once can the can the first time I'm trying to find an obscure beverage. It's not obscure, but a new beverage. Can they just have it, please? I just want some of that Coke, spiced. Oh, here's Manetta Lane and the Manetta Lane Theater. That McDougal Street, which is a real touristy street, but it's cool anyway. And that uh, Pomme Frites place. You know what? I want to go see if that Pomme Frites place is still there. Remember, it was over on 2nd Avenue, the Pomme Frites place or French Fry place? It was the last one because there was this golden age around 2000, whatever, where there were Pomme Frites places around every corner. And then everyone started adopting the Atkins diet that were shunning potato products. And then they all left. There was this one place left on 2nd Avenue. And then, literally, the building they were in exploded. There was a gas explosion. Oh, look, the Manetta Lane Theater. Dead outlaw. Oh, it's the Audible Theater now. Great. The building exploded. And so the business was kaput. And they moved over here a couple years later. At Manetta Lane Theater, we're presenting exclusive limited run and special event productions. Many produced through our Emerging Playwrights Fund, which supports new work from innovative artists around the globe. Does it? <laughs> that guy, uh, Marcus, I, I still remember. Didn't I, I met up with Marcus at the Oyster Bar like within the past couple years. I must have talked about it on the show. Apparently he lives on this street, but... I don't know. I should try to contact him again. He's, he's a very hard person to contact. So I think sometimes he lives in California. Sometimes he lives here. Hi. But I think as I mentioned in the, in the past, like, there were these few years where it was me, Mark, and Marcus in this one room. And we would have these endless, loud like arguments all day long at work. It was like so inappropriate but so awesome at the same time. This guy, uh, Vlad, one of our co-workers, was like, like, do you guys realize like what you're doing? It makes no, like, it's extremely weird and wrong for a workplace to be arguing and 
yelling like this? We're like, yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. Wasn't that a catchphrase from Little Britain? Yeah, I know. Yeah, there it is, Pomme Frites. Or is it Pomme Frites? I, think, I don't think I should be pronouncing the S. The last few letters are forbidden in French. You can't pronounce them. Yeah. Authentic Belgian fries. It's still there. After their building exploded, now they're here. All right, nice. I'm far too full to have any at the moment, but yes. Guess we can walk down West Third. Oh, there's the Empire State Building. Fabulous boutique. Yeah, this was my neighborhood when I lived in New York. Parking garage here. Man, was it a uh, Manetta Lane parking? Yeah, very classic parking garage. Manetta. All right, where can I get Coca Cola? The Blue Note, Blue Note Jazz Club, the jazz capital of the world. Here's an adjunct to the comedy cellar. They're so successful they had to open another venue around the corner from their main venue on, on McDougal. It's the Village Underground. And 7-Eleven. Let me tell you, when I was at MTV, an intern in 88 and 89, they wanted a 7-Eleven logo. And there was no internet back then in 1988. So they sent me out to Queens. That was the only... They had, there were no 7-Elevens in Manhattan. They sent me out on the subway to Queens to get a napkin from 7-Eleven so they could have a 7-Eleven logo for one of their newscasts. I do feel very fortunate to have had such experiences. Look, people are playing uh, basketball at these basketball courts. A Jackass Forever hoodie. Was that one of those later Jackass movies, Jackass Forever? I don't know. I don't know if I really would watch Jackass that much. Wasn't there like a dwarf that was known as the Wee Man on, on Jackass? Johnny Knoxville, whatever happened to that guy? I don't know. St. Vincent, another America. All right, let me, uh, let me hit this uh, CVS and I'm sure everything is going to be like. I, I hope the Coca-Cola is not behind a locked cabinet, but I may have to contact a store employee to unlock the refrigerator to <laughs> get me Coke because there's so much shoplifting these days. And shoplifters are brazen these days. Trinidad and Tobago. I already ta- I already saw that one. You know, I was thinking about wandering around this area and thinking about all the interesting, cool stuff that was going on decades previous that I had experienced, but all these young whippersnappers have no idea about. I'm sure the older people wandering around when I was just a young kid in the 80s were thinking the same thing. Ah, back in the 40s, man, these young kids had no idea what was going on. That must be the way it always is. But anyway, I went into CVS... It was not locked. It was an oh, it was a it was a refrigerant unit that was uh, easily accessible. Coca Cola spiced 
and uh, I got it and I had to choose between regular or zero sugar so I got the regular and uh, yeah raspberry spiced coke and other natural flavors I really the, the raspberry thing kind of turns me off but this is a permanent flavor they must really like believe in this to make it permanent you know I know nothing I mean they said tab was permanent and look what happened to that okay anyway let's try this out here a 100% recycled bottle, too. Here's the ingredients. Carbonated water, high fructose corn syrup, caramel color, phosphoric acid, natural flavors, and caffeine. It's like every other Coke, but the natural flavors are slightly different. I had to pay a five-cent deposit. I don't think I'll be returning this, though. We don't have that, de- we don't have that m- deposit malarkey in New Jersey. Hmm. Yeah. Smelling it. It's, they were saying it, it was trying to be like Dr. Pepper, but they already have a Pib Extra. This is not at all like a Dr. Pepper, but it's interesting. I'm smelling it. It smells kind of like there's something it smells like. It's like a. Uh, what was it? There was something in the past, a drink that smelled like that. Oh my god, it smells pretty good. I can't. I know I smelled this before, but I can't remember what it was. Let me try a swig of this stuff. No. It's not good. It just tastes like a raspberry flavored Coke. It's not there's no spice. I don't know. Maybe am I being too harsh? I don't know. See, there's that other flavor in there that I know of experienced before. That's actually kind of cool. It must be an artificial raspberry flavor. I know you can't judge these things too harshly, but... Yeah, I don't know. I've had a few swigs. I'll throw it back in my pocket, but... Yeah, I'm not super impressed. If if it was more uh, 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 Mr. Pib or Dr. Pepper adjacent, I might be down with it, but... I don't know. Raspberry Coke? I don't know. It's a bit disappointing. Back in the subways. Go back. Yeah. Right heading out. Night two of fish in Mexico tonight. Yeah, last night was night one. It was uh, started a little bit later. It was only one set, but it was an amazing show. Though I did fall asleep at one point. It's tough being home and I'm sitting on the couch and it's like, you know, I don't know why I fall asleep so easily. I missed a great uh, Halfway to the Moon. That's a song that I really love. It's a page song. Tonight it should start around 8, so hopefully I'll be home in time to see the show. There in Quintana Roo. I I found out that, uh, you know, it's a Mexican state, Quintana Roo. It's where Cancun is. And they uh, apparently in 2015, they changed their time zone. Was it raining out here? I didn't see any rain in the forecast. What the hell's going on? This is not cool. I, don't, I, I didn't bring my umbrella because there was zero rain in the forecast. This is ridiculous. It's not raining too hard. Uh, but yeah, Quintana Roo... 
Is it Quintana Roo or Quintana Roo? Or Quintana Roo? I'm just going to say Quintana Roo because I know this like the Quebec, Quebec thing. Anyway, like you can say Quebec in English, but you say Quebec in French, right? Anyway, across the street here. Um, yeah, so they changed their time zone. They were on Central Time, and I guess uh, it messes up people, you know, because it's actually not too too far from Florida there, and that you know a lot of people from the East Coast go there. And I guess um, between airports and flight times and just general confusion, the it was basically for tourism, right? The hotel companies and the tourism companies they were all lobbying I believe the Mexican government or maybe the state government to change the time zone to eastern time because it's close enough to eastern time it's not going to really mess things up that much and they, apparently in 2015 they did change their, change their time zone so it's in the same time zone so yeah last night 9pm it started well that was the posted start time it started around like 9.16 and uh yeah, so people arrive, get settled, and they go to the beach and watch fish. And it was, uh, you know, this was following up the last show, New Year's Eve, the one I talked extensively about, their Game Hen show. And um, started off with uh, Back on the Train, and then uh, from what I saw of it, because I did fall asleep in the middle, but uh, a fantastic, fantastic show and um, really amazing stuff. I wish I'm going to have to check out that Halfway to the Moon and was a grateful day to have a song called Standing on the Moon, right? One of the later songs towards the end of, towards 90, the mid, you know, when Grateful Dead ended initially was in 95, because Jerry died. Uh, yeah. Anyways. Um, so I'm looking forward to that tonight. So I, I, I know I mentioned recently that I'm I really want to create uh, a small three dimension 3d space for our project here on Sug radio and uh, the one of the uh, it's a free thing it was called Mozilla hubs it's a free service you know it, it has a free tier then it has higher tiers you can build a little 3D space, like a little... My, in my case, as I described it, it would just be sort of a store in a mall. A very sm- small type of space. Which I felt I could have done with, uh, with Mozilla Hubs. So when I checked it out today, it's shutting down. I didn't even have a chance to get started with it. It's already shutting down. <coughs> oh my God, these companies shut down shut down their stuff how does mozilla make money i know they have they have the firefox browser but who even uses that anymore what is their business plan like what do they sell i don't even understand it it's a free browser i don't understand what they're anyway they're shutting it down but they said that that it's based on open source technology so that in theory if you could figure out how to like host it yourself you could actually still use it but I don't even I don't even start with it. I don't know. They're shutting down. So I'm glad I didn't uh, waste any time with that with that service. Obviously, it's so annoying. But it was cool because you could just do it from a, a web browser. You can do it on a phone. 
or you could do it on on any any device that you you have a worldwide web browser like Chrome or whatever. You just or Firefox. You can just go to a web page and it's a three dimensional world. You can walk around and stuff. So I'm sure there are other options for such a thing, but I'll have to uh, seek them out. You'd think this wouldn't be that hard, but it's it's a whole thing. Yeah. Oh well, I guess. Uh, what's going on here? It's dusk here on 42nd Street. What are these things? They have this platform you stand on, and there's this rotating thing. I guess it takes a picture of you from 365 degrees. It's kind of uh, it's kind of hitting into the pedestrian traffic that that arm that goes around and around. Yikes! So uh, today's show is called Foon. This week I'm doing simple titles. Last episode was called Station, and this episode is called Foon. F O O N. It's interesting because I, I've never used the term Foon as a title, but I've used other ones like Foon Cosm. I think that episode I actually showed, because up here in Times Square they had a, a large-scale model of uh, the, the Concorde, the supersonic uh, transport. And it was around that same time, around 2000, around the time that Cinema Ride was there. So what is Foon? So Fooning is uh, a word I coined for the purpose of uh, listening to something while you're doing so- or doing something while you're listening to something and then the two things sort of merge together in, in your memory as an experience so like for example I remember uh, like one foon I really really stands out in my mind is um, listening like when uh, Mike Booty the Midnight Citizen sent some shows I think it was Mike Booty was it Mike Booty or was it Shambles? Uh, sent some shows for me to listen to to see if they could come on uh, on Sug Radio. And uh, I was listening to it. Maybe it was Shambles. And I was playing on my PlayStation 3, I believe, a game called... What the hell are these people doing? Uh, it was like Skate 3 or something. It was like a skateboarding game. And I just remember listening to it and playing the skateboarding game with the sound off. And it was really... You know, the two things combined, that's fooning, right? It, it's right doing a, a thing while you're listening. And it, and it just creates this sort of a, an, an experience that, that, that's greater than the sum of the parts, you know what I mean? That's what foon is all about. Foon is also sort of the opposite of spork, you know. A spork, I guess, could be called a foon. Spoon fork, spork, fork spoon. Anyway. Or Foon. No, Foon. Anyway. So that's the idea. And it's just, you know, it's one of those ideas that has sort of been floating around for a while here at Onsug Radio. The picture uh, on there is actually uh, pretty wild. As I mentioned, uh, uh, over the weekend I I stopped by Barnes & Noble in Clifton at the Clifton Commons. 
and I parked in that parking lot facing uh, Route 3 across from uh, that shopping center there, the Riverside Center, I think it's what it's called, River Edge Center, something like that. And uh, I drive by one of those signs that go over the highway, the big signs that tell you like what, what highway you're on and stuff. Why is there a destroyed hot dog on the ground? I guess someone dropped it. Because there is a hot dog stand there. I guess if someone was a klutz and just dropped it immediately. Very sad. Anyway, um, looking over at uh, what had been Bed Bath & Beyond in the shopping center there, but since Bed Bath & Beyond uh, went belly up, went, went to the great beyond, the great retail beyond, um, unfortunately, uh, the facade is being redone, and you see this a bunch of Tyvek insulation panels. You can actually read the word Tyvek on, on the photo. Uh, I guess they're redoing it. They're rebuilding it, hoping another store will go in there. Uh, yeah, and then there's a shopping cart in the foreground from uh, Burlington, uh, formerly known as the Burlington Coat Factory, but there's been a, quite a, uh, a trend of shortening names. So Burlington Coat Factory became Burlington, and that's one of their shopping carts. That place is so depressing. It's like this super cheap. Like imagine like a like a Kohl's or one of those kind of stores, but just like many degrees cheaper and more messy. And it's, that place was just a mess last time I went in there. Maybe it's just that location. I don't know. But anyway, uh, I thought it was a, I thought it was a cool image. Uh, so when I parked, I just took a picture. You see some snow on the ground. You see the hood of my car and everything. Um, so I took the image. I was playing around with it. And I think I, I felt that uh, making it black and white made it look a little bit better. The colors of it were kind of annoying me, but um, I gave it a little bit of a green tinge, and uh, still something was missing. And uh, so I uh, used the uh, Photoshop's uh, AI image generator. Now, you know, I'm, I, I do feel like I'm fairly... I, I'm not, I try to avoid the AI image stuff at this point. But I just wanted to create something, so I was trying different things like blimps and balloons and mushrooms, and I found like, oh, how about a, a claymation owl? Because I know there's a weird uh, trend in my show titles about stop-motion owls, like I am a stop-motion owl, or who said I'm a stop-motion owl? It's like a weird, a weird uh, thing. I don't. <laughs> I'm just sort of obsessed with stop-motion owls, which of course there was uh, in. Uh, those, there's a couple Pogo movies, right? The last person I voted for is a, is, is a cartoon possum named Pogo Possum, and there's an owl character in there. So most of the, most of the claymation owls that the AI generated just looked horrible. But this one, as you can see, actually looked pretty good. It was originally sort of a yellowish color. Um, and I went back and forth with a ton of different stuff, but that one just really stood out. So it sort of looks like it's flying or sort of sitting on the wires or something. It's pretty wild, so I really like that. So then the typography, uh, there's, a, uh, there's a font company called Indestructible Type, and they just uh, recently released a, a free version of Cooper, right? The Cooper font, which I've always been rather fond of. Of course, the Cooper Black font is a font that has uh, seen extensive use in the world. If you don't know it by name, you'd know it by looking at it. It's one of those fonts that's just everywhere. But there's also other weights. There's lighter weights. And um, 
I've used that in the past, but this the person behind this company had this huge article on their website. Again, it's called Indestructible Type, uh, where they're they're analyzing like the Bitstream version and some of the other versions that have been out there, showing that like uh, they're weirdly they don't really match the original Cooper typeface. It's from like the 20s or 30s or something, 1920s or 30s. We're in the 2020s, right? Now. We're in the new 20s. We don't, we don't really refer to them as the 20s yet. Oh, what's going on in the 20s? We don't really refer to that. I'm sure in the 30s we'll talk about the 20s, the 2030s. Oh, boy. Another decade coming up. This, listen, this one is just, uh, we're just in the fifth year of this decade. It's, it's not even midpoint. Anyway. Uh, so I used one of the Coopers, and I sort of vertically scaled it and letter spaced it out. So it's kind of look that like that gives kind of a 90s look. They love doing that, flattening the letters and spacing them out like in the 90s. That, I don't know, something about that just really looked good. And then for the Foon, it was, uh, yeah, there's this uh, this guy, Alan J. Prescott, out of Pennsylvania, apparently, who designed a ton of fonts. And there's a, he just has like a Facebook page with like hundreds of fonts he designed. And then at some point in 2017, he had like a big life change and he posted like I, I can't do this anymore I can't do fonts anymore no more fonts and he just like abandoned the whole project it was so odd but it's not super high res but high res enough to use uh, fonts that he has there so this one was called Dorothy Shaded or something the font that I used for Foon I thought that looked pretty good so anyway that's the whole story of that one and uh, yeah I like that show art the, the stop motion owl what is the deal with stop motion owls? I don't know. It must mean something somewhere. I am a stop motion owl. Look, there's a new movie coming out called Stop Motion. Like one word, stop motion. It's like a horror movie. I read the synopsis. I'm not really into horror that much, but like this, this woman is a stop motion animator, and uh, of course her stop motion creatures come to life and like start killing people. I guess I don't know. Like, why couldn't there be a movie about, like, weird stop-motion puppets? But I guess the only way you can make it interesting enough to get funded is to have them kill people. Like, I want to make a movie about robots. Okay, that sounds pretty boring. Yeah, but they go nuts and kill people. Okay, you got my attention now. Maybe you get some funding. Yeah, there's these, like, cartoon characters. Yawn. And they uh, start killing people. Hey, 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 here's the money. Why do all this be, Why does it always have to be like to kill people? <laughs> why? Can they make movies that are gentle and kind and that no killing and destruction and, and, and maiming and, and, and gore? No. They have to have that. It's so annoying. That's why the, What was that card game I was talking about recently? The um, Remember that card game? It was like... Uh, it, it was such a, tortu- such a tortured idea that like you buy these cards but then there's a code on each card and you scan into your collection and like having the card physically doesn't mean you own it you have to have it on your on your online database and you could order new copies of it i forgot i forgot what it was called but they decided to make it non-violent it was more about exploration than violence i love that even though i can't remember the name of the game the i and i thought of that plenty like you know if I was going to go back to doing anything fictional or whatever, which I'm, I have no plans on trying to get into fiction or anything, or, like exploration versus violence would, is a really... And I'm glad someone 
is crossing that line. Because even games like all the I, card game, I still play Magic the Gathering online and Hearthstone and, and Marvel Snap pretty much every day. And uh, yeah, but they're all, it's going to be somewhat cartoonish violence or abstract violence, but it's all about creatures killing each other, smashing each other. You're casting spells, fireballs, and <laughs> lightning bolts to kill. Like, why? Can we just like like exploration is such a such a great alternative to that. But anyway, anyway, what was I saying? Anyway, yes. If I was a stop motion owl, I would be more about exploration than violence. I know it's easy to say, but in these days, you know. People seem to crave depictions of violence, which, if you really step back and look at it, it seems kind of sad as a society. I was so into that stuff. Yeah, indeed. I'm looking at the, uh, the Hallmark store here. Here's the, here's the new trend. Pop-up greeting cards. Uh... Pop-up houseplants as greeting cards. So you open the card, and it's a complete houseplant made of cardboard that you can stick somewhere and then just sort of throw in the trash a few days later, probably. (laughs) These greeting cards. Big business. But aren't greeting cards sort of just unnecessary and kind of wasteful? Can't you just go up to someone like, hey, I dig you. Happy birthday. You don't have to give them a card that's going to be in a landfill a few days later. You know what I mean? I don't know. I guess I'm just being a humbug. People love cards. Do people love cards? I don't know. Here's your card. We've just been sort of programmed to think we need to give people cards. Ooh, it's the Star Wars section. Oh, look. Uh, Gryffindor, Hufflepuff, Ravenclaw, and Slytherin uh, mugs. Just talking about Harry Potter, right? The witchcraft angle? No? Star Wars... Here's a snow globe, but it's actually Darth Vader in that, you know, that scene where you see the back of his head in Empire Strikes Back when one of his commanders comes to talk to him. Good stuff. And uh, the best here is a uh, Yoda with a little uh, tray to put your paper clips in. That's real necessary, yeah. Here's a giant coffee cup. Gigantic. You can put like 10 cups of coffee in there. It has a, it's a lightsaber as a handle. What are those things? They're like little... I don't know. They're like little... They're pens, but they're... Let me see. I can't, I can't see from this distance. They're pens, but they're something. Let me see. I was about to enter, but someone's entering with a rolling cart, preventing me from entering far. Right, let's go in now. Yeah, they're just pens with designs on them. Nothing interesting. Oh, I wanted to mention I did finish that bottle of uh, Coke Spiced. Yeah, it's just not for me. I mean, it's really bad. It's like I was imagining something spicier, spiced, right? I was imagining, you know, I really do think that like when I have Dr. Pepper, imagining starting there, all the things you could do with that Dr. Pepper flavor, 
to make it interesting. And uh, this is nothing like that. It's just like, it's just like a, a berry flavor. It feels very almost childish that people are obsessed with berry flavors. You know, I, I can imagine so many focus groups. That, I mean, this must have been a hit in the focus groups if, if they're making it a permanent flavor. Coke spiced. It's not spicy at all. It tastes like raspberry, and it's that I particularly am not into sweet like berry-like flavors and drinks. It's just not for me. I know Matt, probably most people dig that stuff, and that's fine, and that's why I'm sure it'll be a big hit, but it's, but it's not for me. <laughs> Coke Spice, get out of here. It's really, you know, really disappointing. Luckily, I got it immediately, and I got it out of my system. I drank it, and whatever. What do you want? Yep, here on the second floor of the bus terminal. I think the Meanderer probably was here r- recently. I wonder if he's here now. I don't know. Well, we'll, 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 we'll meet <laughs> hopefully <coughs> meeting up with him <coughs> on Saturday. Yes. yes. I would have gotten together with him today, but I had to work. You know, I had to go have lunch with my brother. I could have invited him to lunch, but I don't think. He, he's here very limited time. He needs to do all the fun stuff, go to museums and stuff. You know what I'm saying. I'll, I'll keep my eye out for him. Maybe he'll walk by. I know what he looks like now because he was on... Uh, I, I only knew what he looked like fairly recently because he's, uh, he's been a very mysterious guy over the years. I, I think I could pick him out of the crowd if I saw him. But I think he's going to upstate New York to see a play, so he probably already left. I would have to imagine. But I'll keep my eyes open <laughs> for the meander. It's very exciting. Anyways, uh, with that, I'd like to say thank you so much for patching into this episode of The Overnightscape. Much appreciated. You're listening. Thank you. Uh, I'm your host, Frank Edward Nora. And uh, we're here in New York City right now. I'm going to go home to New Jersey and watch some fish in Mexico. Indeed. Yeah, we're here at, uh, in Ansug Radio, uh, broadcasting from inside the book. Just go to Ansug.com. This word Ansug is kind of a sort of an acronym, over. Nightscape Underground O-N-S-U-G Onsub.com And uh, yeah, you can get all the latest shows and you can buy the book the book that I was talking about <coughs> that I say I, I managed to extract the text from with the, f- the formatting into a better format that was that was wild but you can buy the book it's uh, it's print on demand it's what is it $12, $15 I forget exactly how much it was but it was the, it's the lowest price possible as a print on demand book I don't make any money on it uh you know, it's the lowest possible price for the print-on-demand. I just want there to be more copies out there because every copy out there is another opportunity for someone in the future to find our network here. If they find the book on on their, one of their friends' bookshelves or in a thrift shop somewhere in the future or anywhere. So please, if you can, buy a bunch of copies and just stick them around your house, stick them in your friends' houses. Just put them all over the place, please. It'll be seeding reality with, with copies of the book. And, of course, you can just go to OnSec.com. You see a picture of the book. Click on it. You can buy it. Or you can download the PDF for free, which also includes the digital extension, which has every, every description for every show, nearly 12,000 episodes in the archive. So if you want to search for a topic, the show notes are not perfect, but they're pretty good. And uh, if you want to search for something, you can usually find it in there. Search the PDF, and you'll find the text string you're looking for. So there was a whole string of shows I did where I didn't do the show. I, I, I said show notes coming, but I never made them. And then Shambles, I think, actually, 
he started a project of, of doing show notes for my shows, which was very nice. Eventually, well, eventually AI is going to be able to do it. Why am I depending on AI so much? I don't know. But I'm sure even now uh, AI could probably do show notes on your show. Uh, I wonder if that service is available. Just give it an MP3 and it'll write show notes for you of the major topics you talked about. That's got to be possible with today's uh, AI, right? No? I'm, re I'm really looking for a meander in this crowd. I don't know. <laughs> he must have already left, though. I don't know. I was texting him earlier. Anyway. Yes. Please do. Uh, yeah, anyway. Check it out. Check out the book. Buy it. Download the PDF. Whatever you like. And... Uh, we're very focused on preserving this project and people listening to these shows on into the far future. And whatever you can do to help with that, this is a completely non-commercial project. We don't know money is changing hands. We do it because we love it. I know that sounds very alien to today's world of cupidity, but really, I love doing it, and it, and it gives me such, such a thrill and such meaning to my life. That's, that's more important than money. I, I just kept my day job. Okay, that, that's the secret. Keep your day job. Hey, keep your day job, kid, okay? <laughs> anyway, uh, anyway uh, yeah, so check it out. <laughs> and uh, over 14,000 hours of content in the archive. Complete archive. It's on the Internet Archive. Hopefully that stays up. I know they got sued by book publishers recently. Please stay up. We don't need more things going out of business. It's a lot of data. It's about almost like getting close to a terabyte of data now for OnSug Radio. Anyways... That's the story. Your voice can be in this archive. Check out a show called Overnight Escape Central. Just find it on uh, onsug.com. Look at the latest episode. You'll get your, It's monthly now, done by Dave in Kentucky. Get the latest episode, uh, and you'll see the next episode's topic and where you can send it and everything else. Please do. We'd love to hear from you. I don't see him. Where... That'd be so cool if the meander just walked around the corner. That'd be so cool. But it's rather unlikely. Rather unlikely indeed. Anyways, what is the opposite of unlikely? It's very likely that you will be experiencing a wonderful audio sensation in a few seconds. Yes, all you have to do is sit back, relax, and do nothing, and the audio will continue and wash over you. A different kind of audio music and audio clips and all sorts of fun stuff a part of this show known as The Other Side
I followed him out one time, and I firmly stood my ground. Could have run if I wanted, but I didn't at all. Come, children, Jaws, we'll heave it up and around. Follow the trail till it cuts on down, down through the vision of a bright hot fire. Oh, John pulled the wheel like silver was he, drew a breath, white sweat, grinned wide and bright. Follow me down when the wheel draws tight on down, I allow in the shadowy pit, where he glistened like an angel in the bright hot fire. With a voice like silk and thunder, he'd sing of the world down under, tunes of chilly bones, such eyes of fire, while night passed over like a summer shower, when he sang away the dark and brought the dawn in. The old folks gather sometimes at night, when the desert stars are eyes of light. They talk at me even when the moon is clear, about John Silver and the Wheel of Fear. How we marched single file through the bright hot fire. The gantry led the men, the coppernecks in command, with the desert's heat to the cool of night. For days on edges with the sun burned bright, bright as a silver eye wheel drawn tight. For seven long years we marched through the deserts of long lost. John Silver, old buck to the wheel ply, he turned it down round under where the moon pit glimmers. Through the valley of Shadarani. She is youth, eternal in her beauty, her freshness, her freedom. She is every man's first love, but she is trouble. Hello, Mr. Carlton. Hello, Candy. She is the babysitter. She came to sit with baby and went away with daddy. You and Mrs. Carlton don't really have much going, do you? No, we just kind of move around each other. We don't say much. We spend months together when all I can get is a grunt out of you because you've got your nose stuck in some script. Well, why in the hell shouldn't I work all the time? I can't talk to you anymore. You take so many pills, you're in a daze. It's like talking to a stump. How old are you, Candy? Does it matter? Weekend with the Babysitter, the first motion picture that bridges the generation gap between middle age and the age of Aquarius. We're going to tune you in onto what's happening. Now this here is called a joint. What happens when a middle-aged man reaches out to hold the illusion of youth? Weekend with the Babysitter. An interlude in time when a man fell in love with the fantasy of youth. But there's no escape from the reality of life. I'm calling Jim, Jim Carlton. And what games did Mommy play while Daddy was away? I want to use your boat. No way, Rich. In a world where drugs were the only gods, she couldn't say no. You want to kill us, too? She's right. I don't listen to junkies. I may be a junkie, Rich, but I'm no fool. Weekend with the Babysitter, a film that shows that communication is more than just words. 
A motion picture that hits home. Maybe your home. Chapstick with something new and mouthwatering. Lip treat, get your lip treat, flavor gloss. Flavor gloss? What flavors? Six flavors. Gorgeous flavors. Olay, orange. 
big banana, chewy chocolate, saucy strawberry, lick a licorice, and ricey root beer. Lip Treat, it's a yummy look. Lip Treat, there's no claw. No gook. Lip Treat flavor gloss. Lip Treat here.
This is a fantasy land where you magically become Bentley Bear, lost in a land where jewels line the streets and grow from the crystal castle. Gather them up, but be wary of magical creatures that guard them, like walking trees and gem eaters that collect the gems themselves. If you can get to one of the gem eaters while he's swallowing a gem, you can make big points. And there's a magic cat that wants to swallow a honeypot for big points. This is a land of mystery and magic. You're on a trip through the crystal castle. Cold rain and snow for the Grateful Dead. And I understand that uh, they had to record this record in sort of a couple of hours almost because Warner Brothers wanted to get what they called a psychedelic record, you see, onto the market as quickly as they possibly could. So that may explain the fact that the LP is, I think, in many ways rather disappointing. So all I have to do is wait and see what the Grateful Dead do next and then that should be an indication of what they're really like. Here's a record that uh, actually Kenny Everett played for the first time on Radio London and introduced me to, really. They never wanted to listen to it all that closely before, and it's become one of the favourite records in the perfume garden. And so then they don't forget to listen to Kenny, because he'll try and tell you basically what's going on. This is the castle. Let's play Traveling Circus. This is it. The President of Nixon is arriving. And this is the wonderful. He's here. This is it. Mr. President. Mr. Former President. Mr. President. If, if, just if, you could have been any animal you wanted to be, what would it be? What an any animal? Burt Reynolds and Sally Field in the TV premiere of The End, Tuesday. Monday evening at 6.30, it's the Nighttime Family Feud. Channel 5, proud as a peacock. Monday night on News Center 5 at 10, we begin a special report on insanity, please. I'm Carol Marine. Is pleading not guilty by reason of insanity an easy way for criminals to get back on the streets, or is it truly a way to protect and rehabilitate the mentally ill? We'll look at the results of some famous cases involving insanity, please, and talk to lawyers, psychologists, and even criminals about this important issue. So join me for By Reason of Insanity, a special report beginning Monday on News Center 5 at 10. This is News Chopper 5, Chicago's first full-time news helicopter. Equipped for live transmission from the air, News Chopper 5 brings jet-age journalism to television. It's the kind of breakthrough you expect from News Center 5. After all, we've been flying on special assignments for years, and now News Chopper 5, for those times when the best place to look at Chicago is from the sky. Watch for it here on News Center 5, weekdays at 4.30, 6, and 10. Become a partner in prevention. Give to the Chicago Heart Fund. 
of hearing that same old high-pressure approach that seems to begin every commercial these days, or the unbelievable low-key approach that more often than not puts you to sleep, you're probably asking yourself right now, what is he selling? What do I have to buy? Well, the answer is nothing. That's right, absolutely and positively nothing at all. Nothing to buy, nothing to send. No money down, no payments monthly. No waiting for the postman at the door, no address for checks, money, or postal orders. No COD charges, no credit cards accepted because credit cards are not needed. There's nothing to buy, no merchandise, no bargains, no product, no home delivery. Installations are not free because there's nothing to install. And don't worry about delaying, take as long as you like. How can we afford to advertise like this on television? We can't. This is not an ad. It is absolutely and positively nothing. It's Second City Television, now beginning its programming day.
This is Vorpan, one of the space creature mass kits, and here is Zordius. And now I'll show you how to assemble Megathor, each sold separately from Pressman. First, cut out the pieces, and then glue. The glue not included. Dab on some paint, and in about two hours, you can make a space creature mask. The Space Creature Mask Kits. Megathor Space Creature Mask Kit, Vorkan and Zordius, each sold separately from Pressman. that space station. But as you move nearer, its deadly laser beam searches and destroys. This is the interplanetary board game, Laser Attack. You don't just play it, you live it. Laser Attack, from Milton Bradley. Would you like a couple sugars with these? No, I'm trying to lose a few pounds. Well, maybe I'll have a couple of these... Blueberry muffins? Can I help you? Yeah, I want to rent this movie, but what I, I really want is Beverly Hills Cop, and it's never in. Oh, that's no problem. You can reserve it. Oh, great. Well, I'll take this one. Hey, Jimmy. You only got two six-packs left in the case. Do you have any cold guys left in the back room? And where'd all the chips go? I need at least six bags. Can I get this film back by Wednesday? It's my kid's graduation. Sure. You don't look like you're old enough to have a kid in high school. Nah, kindergarten. Burritos will be ready in a minute. How about those nachos? Relax. Sunday paper gets any thicker, I'm gonna have to start getting it delivered to the house. Ooh, could I have a couple packs of Marlboros? Can I please have a pack of players, menthol? I'm sorry, we don't carry that brand. Would you like something else? No, thanks. A couple of packs of Marlboro, please. Sorry, sir. Roll out. Would you like another brand? No, just bring this up. I'll stop at another store on the way home.
Klondike country had been terrorized by the most notorious of all bandits, Savoir Fair. Savoir Fair has stolen my dinner. He's stolen my bonbons. Uh, he's stolen my cheeses. Savoir Fair is everywhere. Major Miner, in charge of all the Klondike cops at Fort Frazzle, made a drastic announcement. We must call upon the one Klondike cop who always gets his mouth. Klondike Cat. It's been terrible, Klondike Cat. Savoir Faire has been stealing food everywhere. Don't you worry, Major Miner. When that little old mouse realizes that I, Klondike Cat, the world's greatest mouse trapper, am on his trail, he'll stay undercover for good. Bravo, Klondike. Now I think I'll really be able to enjoy this delicious steak. Uh, ste I say, my steak is gone. And so's mine. And the pickles. And the cats of everything. Yeah, but who could have done it? <laughs> Savoir faire is everywhere. <laughs>
located in the studios of the Maryland Center for Public Broadcasting. Grubby presents NTC The All Night Raid, Saturday the 20th of July, 1991, 10pm till dawn, at the Pyramid Centre, 10 Ashwin Street, off Dawson Lane, Dawson East 8. Deck Masters on the night, Mad B World Party to the Refuel Rapido, The Hype, The Night Raver, Dio Punk and Maze ONS. The Gravity Crew, it gives respect to all you, the true raver. Remember, Gravity, Ashwin Street this Saturday. Attractions, all the usual. Admission, a mere eight pounds. Information, 0860-805-191. That's 0860-805-191. Be there. Razors, smoke, and everything else. ETC. Be there. Entity. All night rave. Turbo sounds, lights, lasers, smoke, chill out area, soft drinks, balloons, incense, cloakroom, sweet people. Admission, a mere eight pounds. Remember, this event is strictly for the Ed's wrong. No nonsense music. Strict security. If